Welcome to GM Street, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I am Tate Frazier, live in the studio in Los Angeles, and in a remote location somewhere in the Los Angeles County, Mr. Mike Lombardi. Lombardi, how you doing? I'm great, Tate Frazier. Happy Thanksgiving. Everything good? You're back home. Everything good? Everything's good. It took me an hour to get an Uber at the airport today at LAX, because uh, apparently today is the busiest day to travel in the world. Um, the worst day to travel in the world, it, yeah, it, especially it, at Los Angeles Airport. It, yeah. it was terrible, but I got back, saw my family. North Carolina was beautiful, as always, and I'm glad to be back. We, I, I watched a lot of football. I watched a lot of college basketball, it, it, and I ate a lot of food. So uh, how was your Thanksgiving? Did you eat a lot of pie? It was, it was great to sit out here, watch a football game. I think I, you know, I, I think I had Thursday. It was one of the greatest days of all time because I had football and Godfather 1 and 2 were on, mm. which really is like we should do a – we should do a whole episode of, like, we should do the rewatchables on The Godfather. But having The Godfather playing simultaneously to a game, it's so perfect because there's something that's going to happen in The Godfather. You know, Sonny's going to the toll plaza. Mm. You know, the quarterback gets knocked out. You know, <laughs> I mean, there's always going to be a parallel. You know, in comes, you know, Virgil Salazzo, out goes uh, the clapper. You, you know, I mean, it was just so perfect. It was like... It was like a writer's paradise to have that set up. It was so good. I enjoy. I was enjoying it so much. I didn't want the night to end. And thank God, what I liked the most about it, they didn't put Godfather three in any of it. Like they went one and two, then they went back to one and two, and I think they showed like three at like three a.m. somewhere. There's no need to watch three. It, we'll, we'll stop it too. Philip Rivers, though, we should say he was like the Francis Ford Coppola of uh, of our Thanksgiving yeah. day. He just dominated the Cowboys and the Clapper. The, the poor Clapper. Tough turkey day for him. Yeah, and then you know, and then the report comes out today. The players are all pissed off. He doesn't adjust, and then, and then Philip Rivers adds salt to the wound by saying that I knew everything that they were going to do on defense. Well, of course, everybody knows what they're going to do on defense in Dallas. I mean, I think you know the one thing about this whole notion about knowing what to do is a little bit overrated because if you don't have any tendencies, you can't be any good. The problem with the Cowboys' defense is they're used to playing twenty six, twenty seven, twenty eight minutes a night. You know, now that they can't convert third downs on offense, now that they have no explosive plays on offense, now that they can't score on offense, the defense has got to play 32, 33 minutes. That defense wasn't built to play. That defense was built to complement the offense. And and so often in our league, we kind of lose sight of that. We think, oh, the defense is not playing good. No, no, no. The defense is there to complement the offense in Dallas. And when the offense breaks down, everything starts to break down. So I, I think it's a little unfair. I think the Cowboys' defense – can play good for 26, 27 minutes. After that, no. Well, let's get into the games that happened today. Obviously, Thanksgiving uh, was a few days ago. We saw the uh, the Lions make a valiant effort, but the Vikings get a big win. Obviously, the Cowboys struggle, and then the Redskins are the only team to win, the only home team to win. Uh, but starting today, the big story came out of Oakland. Uh, we have the Oakland Raiders taking on uh, the Denver Broncos, and there was a big fight. Michael Crabtree and Aqib Tlaib have a bit of a history. Last year, we saw Aqib Tlaib grab uh, Crabtree's chain out of his jersey and start a little scuffle, and today it went uh, full throttle and ended up with Crabtree. Both get, they, I think they both got thrown out of the game, correct? They both did, uh, and then you know also uh, Gabe Jackson got thrown out of the game, which really Gabe shouldn't have gotten thrown out of the game. Donald Penn initiated; oh, yes, he should have gotten yep. thrown out of the game. But it was ugly. It was a, it was really bad. It, it was you know over on the sideline. It looked like to me, it looked like both benches didn't have control of the team. The coaches really didn't have control of the team. It was an ugly game. This was really an ugly incident for the league. It kind of was bad to see it. I mean, you got guys out there throwing punches about their helmets on. The fight continued. And then Marshawn Lynch had an escort had an escort uh, to leave off the field through the through the Raider bench in case something. It was really worldwide wrestling. 
That's it, what it looked like out there. It looked like a, a steel cage match. Absolutely. And my, my my biggest gripe, and as always has been with these fights, like Crabtree has his helmet off, Akeem Talib still has his helmet on, and he's throwing punches, and uh, you know Talib's just standing there taking them. Just hold off on the punches, save them. Take his helmet off, make it a fair fight if you're going to throw punches. I, I don't understand it. That's my only gripe. Yeah, I, don't I mean, throw I punches, but if you do, make sure the helmet's off. And then, you know, this whole thing, and I, I think Tlaib and Crabtree should get suspended for another game. I mean, I, I know yeah. that there's always talk. Well, no, I, I think this was pretty bad, and I think the discipline, the lack of discipline on the Raiders is pretty evident. I mean, the team doesn't it doesn't look like it's under control. And then you got to say the same thing about the Broncos. I mean, the Broncos almost – Paxton Lentz gets hurt. I don't know if he had tours Achilles. He was crying on the sideline. I thought he pulled his hamstring at first. But he wasn't very impressive. I mean, he threw a touchdown pass that looked like early in the game to go up 7 and nothing. They ruled it down on the one-yard line, and then they gave him another chance to throw it through an interception. It, you know, if you're a Bronco fan, you've got to be really nervous about the present day of your team, your 3-8, and eight, and you've got to be really worried about your future of your team because I don't think the quarterback practice the Lynch is your future, and your team is older on defense. It's not going to be as good, and you're not very good on offense. And you've got to wonder where you're going. And they've got no quarterback. I mean, they kept showing Elway in, in, in the boxes. You know, that tends to be the Broncos' number one thing to do now. Yeah. Obviously, call the team soft, and then they've responded by, you know, starting fights and acting out at this point. But it came into the season, and everyone was like, we don't, we, we think we have an abundance of quarterbacks. You know, Trevor Simeon looks better than we thought he would, and we have Paxton Lynch, who was the third quarterback taken in the draft. And now, not third overall, but the third quarterback taken in last year's draft. And now it looks like they just have no quarterback, and they're obviously going to have to find someone uh, for the future because at this point, I mean, they have no offense at all. Yeah, I mean, they're bad on offense. Their offensive line's not good. And look, I think if, if you're a Bronco fan, you should, you're at the Raiders stadium. You should learn this. No guy from sitting in the executive chair can control the game from there. I've said this repeatedly. Like, Elway, it's, it's a, I mean, he's a wonderful – he's a Hall of Fame player. He's tremendous. But the game of football can't be controlled by the president. It's got to be controlled by the coach. So all the things he's trying to get done never get done on the field because he's, there's too many, as they would say in the, in, the, in the mafia, there's too many buffers between you and, mm. and the players. And when that happens, it's not very good. So the future is not very right for the Denver Broncos. To me, unless Elway changes the dynamic, of how he's going to operate his team. He's got coaches in the league already pissed off at him because he meddles in. He's already fired an offensive coach. And I really think, you know, we'll talk about it later, but but Vance Joseph has got to be worried about what his future is because it doesn't look like he's got anything under control of his team, and it was pretty obvious on that field today. Well, the good news for John Elway is that the uh, the Stanford Cardinal got a win last night against Notre Dame. So he has something, something, something He's, good happen. Yeah. I mean, weekend. I understand. There's always a little bit of you know, silver a lining, bit of hope somewhere. Yep, exactly. Uh, let's move on. Uh, the Los Angeles Rams they get a big win. I mean, that was the big matchup in the NFC this week. The Rams take on the Saints out here in LA. The Rams show up big. Jared Goff has a great game. Todd Gurley really, uh, you know, keeps it going and keeps it rolling. And I gotta say this, Cooper Cup. I had my doubts, but I mean, he seems like a legit, legitimate receiver right now, and that one-two combo of Goff and uh, Cup seems pretty unstoppable. And this Rams offense is is doing pretty well. Yeah, you know, they came back this week and rallied, and I thought Goff played better this, you know, last week against Minnesota. You know, he wasn't he had a couple drops key in the game, and I think this week, I think the Saints not having their corners really helped them. I think that really Goff gets all the credit of the of the team. And I think Goff, look, I, I was down on Goff earlier in the season. I was wrong. He's playing way better than I thought he would. He's playing faster than I thought he would. I think Sean McVay 
and their offensive creativity is really good. I mean, they're the they're the, the most fun team to watch on first and ten. Mm-hmm. They really understand the NFL in terms of you've got to make chunk plays down the field, and the best time to make chunk plays is on first down. And they don't waste – they don't try to throw the ball. Al Davis would love them because they don't waste three-yard passes. They're not trying to make – some three-yard gain and doing 15 motions and all that. They're trying to get the ball down the field, and I think it's pretty impressive. Plus, I think Sean's got balls. I mean, he, you know, the game's <laughs> kind of close, and he's trying to throw it down the field. He's trying to make plays, and the quarterback's responding. That being said, I think today you saw a little bit their offensive line's a liability. The right guard, Brown, he was getting beat inside. The Saints' defensive looked like they got tired. But I think the story of this game was their defense. I think Wade did a tremendous job of adjusting, and they had a hard time. When you look at the stat sheet, you think, oh, Breeze played really well. It wasn't a Breeze-type game. I mean, I didn't think Breeze ever had control of the game. They did a good job stopping the run other than one run play. I thought this was a defensive effort, a great offensive effort by the by the Rams. I mean, I think the Rams are definitely for real. They'll be a tough out in the playoff. But when they play against a good defensive front, they're going to have a hard time because I think there is some areas you can get after Goff. But this is a great win. I, I think the Saints kind of needed to have this type of game. They need their corners back. Lattimore not being in there really hurt them. Yeah, we should say for the Saints, I mean, Alvin Kamara pretty much, uh, I, in my opinion, I think he has gotten to the point where he's sealing up the Rookie of the Year. I mean, he has 87 yards rushing and 110 yards receiving. I think he has a couple touchdowns. Uh, and he, he looked like the real deal. And with Lattimore out there, I mean, Lattimore could end up being the defensive rookie of the year. So you could end up having the offensive rookie of the yeah. year and defensive rookie of the year on, on the same team with the Saints. I mean, that draft and Ramchick, I mean, they had an amazing draft and Kamara looked great today. But uh, I have to give credit to to our boy Greg DeLeg because every single time the Rams getting in the scoring zone, I mean, even if Goff can't get a touchdown, you know that Greg's going to come in and get a field goal and get oh, points yeah. on the board. No, so. he's remarkable. I mean, I yeah. think this is like one of the most fascinating – Eric games to watch, and it's going to be interesting to watch tomorrow on real tape, but the Rams were 3 for 14 on third down. Now, when you hear that, you think, oh my gosh, but they controlled the ball for 35 minutes. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's remarkable. They were they The Saints were only 3 for 13 on third down. So they had all these third downs. They didn't really convert them. They gained 415 yards, and this just goes to prove what I always preach all the time is Sean McVay understands the value of Canadian football. And mm-hmm. I know today the great cup, Mark Tressman, the former coach of the, of the Chicago Bears guy, was with in, in Cleveland the first time I was there. Uh, Mark won his uh, great cup with the Montreal Alouettes today. But the CFL mentality, getting first downs and two downs, this is what I think the Rams do. And this is why golf has been so effective, because the defense on first and second down, they give them a chance. And they're not trying to get into third and manageable. McVay's not trying to get into third and manageable. What he's trying to do is get first downs. In fact, when he has a third and 20, he'll throw a slip serene. He He's willing to punt on long downs. He's not like trying to be macho man. His play calling is really good for what it has to be in terms of the defense and attacking the defense. I thought they did a great job. I think the Rams are for real. I don't think you want to play them right now because they'll, they'll attack you defensively in a way you got to be really good. Yeah, and the way that Gurley rubs off screens, and you know, a lot of times you think he's blocking, and then he just you know sneaks out and gets little catches and ends up getting seven, eight yards. I mean, there's a ton of those little chunk plays that they have with Gurley uh, that uh, that are big. no. I mean, Gurley's yeah. and, and Gurley breaks tackles. I mean, Gurley's such a force, you know. So you got Gurley back there, and you know the receivers are kind of like you know Cup makes a few plays, and I thought Watkins, Watkins but they yeah. throw the ball. I think the key for this team is is when they take their shots down the field. And they make those plays down the field. And they get a pass interference call down the field. Look, if the Saints have their corners, I think it's a better game. If the Saints have to play them again, 
I don't know how it would turn out. I think Breeze has got to be a better passer in this game, especially on third down. I think Wade Phillips really was really good today. Yep, Wade's always the one. Uh, next up, we have the Carolina Panthers. They go up to New York, and I will say this. The Jets, they looked like they had a chance to get a big win. Anderson had a great game for them uh, at the wide receiver position. But Carolina, somehow, Luke Higley gets a big late touchdown. They they find a way to win ugly, and uh, they get out of New York. They said this would be a trap game for them, and they were able to escape. Uh, what did you see from well, them? Well, it was a trap game, clearly, for Cam Newton. I mean, they're, they're yeah, so lucky to, they're lucky to win because the Jets beat themselves. I'm not sure the Panthers beat them. I think the Jets beat themselves. And then this game was the game that really was symbolic for I don't know what a catch is. Yes. Like Austin Safarian Jenkins has – I mean, the ball moved just slightly. He had it caught the entire time, and they overturned it. This whole notion that it's just a crock of crap, this whole notion that they're not going to overturn something on the field unless there's indisputable evidence. We're, we've all bought this line. It's not true. You know, it's like we've all bought it, but it's not really true because they overturn stuff – they do whatever they think is right in New York. That's pretty clear. I mean, that's really clear. This It has to be indisputable evidence to overturn it. No, stop, stop. That was before New York got involved. It seems, now New York's involved. They're yeah. going to make the call based on what they think. It seems to be and a week-to-week agenda. Yeah, no, huh? it's, it seems to be like a week-to-week agenda. Like this week, it was all about if the ball moves at all, you know, then it's not a catch at any point as he's coming down. But then like before, it was like all the way as to keep – it seems like every week that they've decided what they want to focus in on to decide what is and what is not a catch. And Safarian Jenkins got the wrong side of that two times. We've obviously seen Dez get the, the wrong side of that plenty of times. Uh, I think conclu- I mean, look, conclusive is not the right today. word. Yeah, there's, yeah, the Panthers win today, really. They win today because the Jets made mistakes. Cam Newton only completed 11 passes mm-hmm. for 168 yards. I mean, he was horrible. I mean, you got to think next week he goes down to New Orleans. I mean, they were 3 for 14 on third down. I mean, it was really bad. They gave up almost 400 yards, but the Jets, once again, it came down to those four-point plays in the red zone. The Jets were 1 for 3 in the red zone. You know, they have the two red zone third down plays that they don't get. Those are eight points. And, you know, they had the punt return from the kid that they traded up to Buffalo that came back, Clay, and he made plays. But to me, this game was about, A, I don't know what a catch is, and B, I don't know if the Panthers can win if Cam's going to keep playing like this. Cam is the most volatile quarterback being from week to week. I don't know if he's going to be this great version, MVP version of himself, or like he was today where he just seems sort of disconnected and... uh you know, not not really engaged, but somehow they pulled out a win. And again, congrats to Auburn. And you know, Cam Cam at least got one win this weekend that you know really mattered to him. I'm sure with the Tigers getting the well, win. I mean, look, that Auburn game was a great game, and Auburn's a hell of a team. I feel bad for Auburn. Not that we want to get off on this subject, we can talk about it on on Tuesday. But really, I think if there was a god in college football, he should just come down and say, "Look, Auburn, you have done enough. You're in the Final Four. Absolutely, okay? yep. Alabama, you go play Georgia for the for the other spot." But I think where Alabama is right now, it's kind of like a joke because Alabama's going to get one of those spots and they're actually going to get healthy and rested without having to play. This could be the best thing that ever happened to Alabama ever by losing to Auburn. It's going to be one of those things where if Alabama, if they're looking for a fourth team and it's Clemson, Oklahoma, Wisconsin, and they have to have a fourth team and it's between Georgia, Auburn, Alabama, if they both look bad, Georgia and Auburn, and that came one way or the other, Alabama's in. He's going to look like the best option, and they might end up being the fourth team, and that would be, uh, yeah. Oh, they're definitely going to be the fourth team. They're going to get. It's, it's it's already. I think it's like even money, or it's like they're already the fourth team. But the, the, 
but uh, I don't know how we got on the Auburn subject, but to me, Alabama is blessed here because Auburn, Auburn's going to have to, now they have to go play Georgia again. You know, and I was like, you know, it's like when you play those video games and you got to go from level one to level two to level yeah. three to level four, you know? And then when you finally get to level five, you don't have enough power, so you die. That's like Auburn. That's what's going to happen to them. You know, they've beaten Georgia, they've beaten Alabama, and now they get to the title game again, and they got you know they might have too many injuries. It's going to be hard. And they got to play a team that they already beat. Uh, and that segment was sponsored by Under Armour. Just kidding. Uh, that, that's right. <laughs> next, Absolutely. Next up, the Falcons' offense. Uh, it looks like Sarkeesian has figured it out, and that is to let Muhammad Sanu be the quarterback of the the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> he th- throws a deep ball to or, Julio or, Jones. Or, or maybe we should get the ball to Julio Jones. You know what Absolutely. blows me away, Tate Frazier? You know what blows me away is, uh, and, and part of this book that I'm writing, uh, the chapter that I'm actually on right now is about defensive principles. And one of the things is, is talk, I, I'm talking about is, is you have to take away what a, the, the number one option. Right. Yes. Well, the Buccaneers. You got to think Julio Jones is the number one option, right? He's got 15 targets today. He's got 12 receptions for 253 yards. Like that's not like to me. That's a fa- that's like you're not trying to take away a team. Like make Sanu beat you. Sanu averaged eight yards a catch today. Like make Hopper beat you. Make Taylor Gabriel beat you. Make somebody else beat you. But the one thing we're not going to do is make Julio Jones beat us because he'll beat us. That's the, it's remarkable. The, but I think that's the key. I think Matt Ryan's playing better. Sanu's throwing the ball. I mean, they're overcoming Freeman not being there, and they beat a bad team. I mean, Atlanta's getting some confidence. I mean, the game was close. It was 27-20 in the fourth. They made some plays. They got it. You know, they came back and kicked and scored a touchdown in the fourth quarter, put the game away. So, you, you know, i I, I got to take my hat off to them. But for the most part, you know, I, I think – Tampa was ridiculous, but I, I'm I'm I think Atlanta's for real. I don't think Atlanta's one of those teams, you know, you don't really want to play because they're getting better and better as the season's going on. I would just say this: 250 yards, the third time that Julio Jones has done that in his career. That's pretty wild. Yeah, I know. This is like when Claiborne gets eight six sacks. At some point, doesn't Dirk Cotter get on the headset and say, "Hey, Mike Smith, <laughs> let's double let's this guy, double Julio every <laughs> time." Like once he got to 100, can we double him? Like. When you get on one fifty, can we triple him? If he gets to one two hundred, we're gonna we're gonna put four guys on him. I mean, at some point, right? Yeah, just just guard him, spy him with everyone. No, just just let Matt Ryan run up the middle. It's better than letting Julio run all over you. It was yeah, bad. You know, it's funny because that who was saying it about? Oh, I heard Romo say it and talking to him. And you know, I mean, football's such a game of uh, of adjustments. What people don't realize is what Belichick's about in the first quarter isn't about. What is his script? He's not. A, he's about trying to figure out what the opponent's game plan is, and then making the adjustment. So he studied all week long to figure out what the team does best, how he's going to take away what they do, what he can do on offense. So he's in the headset as the head coach. He's talking to the coordinators. Hey, this is going to be this kind of game. This is what they want to do, and we need to make adjustments to it. That's what he spends his first quarter on. Sometimes these other guys in the league, I think they spend their first quarter on figuring out what's going to happen in the second quarter. Like, no, you got to adjust your game plan. And let's talk about a team that has not figured out a way to adjust their game plan since early in the season. The Chiefs have lost five of six. Uh, they're basically spiraling at this point, but they're still at the top of the AFC West with six wins. They're now six and five. Um, they lose today to the Buffalo Bills. Tyrod Taylor comes back and gets a nice win, 183 yards and a touchdown. Um, but when you look at, I mean, this Chiefs team, people were calling for Pat Mahomes to come in at this point, and people were saying Andy Reid is, you know, once again pulling some uh, chicanery on, on all of us after starting the season out undefeated. Um, 
What can they do? I mean, Charkandrick West, Kareem Hunt, all these guys, all these running backs that were doing so well early in the season, Tyree Kill, it, they, just, they just can't seem to find their offense. Right, and, I, and, I, and you, know, you can scream all you want for Mahomes and say he's got, we got to put him in and throw the ball, but this offensive line for the Chiefs is not very good. And they struggle. And and once their runs have been declared, I mean, I mean, when you look at it, they kept, they couldn't run the ball. I mean, Kareem Hunt's eleven carries for seventeen yards today. He couldn't run the ball as long as long as game was nine yards. So that means he had ten carries. Okay, he had ten carries for eight yards for the rest of them. We had a long of nine, and he's eleven for he's eleven for seventeen. They can't run the ball. So when you can't run the ball, all that play-action stuff doesn't work, and people have played zone against them. They're forcing Alex Smith. They're not biting on all the misdirections, and their skill level isn't to the level that, that it needs to be. I mean, Kelsey's still a good player. Tyreek Hill's still a good player. But once again, you know, if they can't run the ball, everything's off the running game, and it puts the pressure on Alex Smith. Now he's got to throw the ball. 36 attempts for, for 200 yards today. That's not going to cut it. Buffalo play is a good zone defensive team. They play cover two. They force you to run. And if they can run the and they, remember they're playing Tate Frazier. They're playing against the Chiefs. They're playing against the the Chiefs are playing against the Bills, who New Orleans ran for over two hundred yards. I mean the Bills gave up over hundred hundred points the last two weeks. Yeah, it's so. I mean the Chargers ran for ran the ball. I mean everybody the last two weeks. And now at home, at home, they couldn't do it. For me, I think the problems, and Andy Reid said it after the game, and I think he's right, the problems are a lot deeper than changing quarterbacks. I think they've got to fix this offensive line. I know they've got their starters in there, but right now they're not playing nearly as well in the offensive front. And then defensively, look, look, defensively they've never been a great defensive team. They've been a turnover defensive team, but when they don't get turnovers, they're not going to win. Tyrod Taylor did exactly what he always does, threw for under 200 yards, but he didn't turn the ball over. And Alex Smith led the team in rushing. He has 35 yards. It's one of those things where with cover two, when they have the safety help, and they're they're basically keeping everything. So they're playing from. They're not going north and south. They're going east and west. And uh, it was fun early in the season when Alex Smith would shake things up and go vertical. But now they don't have the option because they have that safety yeah, help, no, and they're keeping like everything in front of them. them. Yeah. Yeah, people are daring them to run the ball. And look, that's the one thing Buffalo has done for most of the year is not giving up big plays. Now they have when you give up 100 points, you're giving up big plays. But the, but they went back to playing Buffalo Bill defense, and, and that's that's why they did it. And they did it on the road. That's the scary part. I mean, if you're Seattle and you've lost those two home games, you're, you're worried about your team. Same thing with Kansas City. I think Kansas City's got to be worried about this. They've got to figure out a way to modify what they're doing. Since the Pittsburgh game, when they lost that game, they've had one win. Everybody's played them the same way. And, you know, look, the opening day of the game, when they beat the, when they beat the, they beat the Patriots, both those teams are going in completely different directions. Absolutely. And this actually leads right into the guest narrative segment because my narrative for the week, Mr. Mike Lombardi, is that the Chiefs are choking and that uh, Pat Mahomes' talk is going to heat up. And I don't necessarily agree that that should happen, but I think that's going to be the narrative. A lot of people, even the great Rasheed Wallace, who is a closet great Kansas City Chiefs fan, for people that don't know, has been putting out Rasheed that— Rasheed Wallace of the Portland Trailblazers? Yes, of the Portland Trailblazers of uh, the North, of Carolina, North Carolina Tar Heels. He's a Chief fan? He's a big Kansas City Chiefs fan. He uh, puts a lot of stuff on Instagram, if uh, you want to follow, about how they need to start Pat Mahomes. I have Instagram. I mean, how is that possible? Like, what's his love? <laughs> Was he from Kansas City? I mean, how is it to explain this? He's Philadelphia. I, I don't know how it all worked out. He's Roman Catholic High School. Like, I don't understand this. I don't know. He's a big Chiefs fan. I, I don't know if it was from late late Joe Montana going to the Chiefs. Who knows how it all came to be. I'm sure we need to ask him and figure it out. But he's been calling for Pat Mahomes for the past four or five weeks now. Even when they were winning, he wanted Pat Mahomes out there. So I feel like the media is going to jump all over this and and, and want uh, Andy Reid to throw a rookie quarterback out there. And I don't know if that's going to help. I, I don't see it. I, I mean, I, they're going to pressure him to do it. every Because everybody, that's the simple 
solution. Like, to me, if the solutions when your team's not playing well are simple, then they should have been corrected in the second quarter, or they should have been corrected in the third quarter. Simple things. It's like the great story that Bobby Kennedy and John F. Kennedy, okay? John F. Kennedy's in the White House one day, and Bobby Kennedy comes in, and he puts something in front of him, and Jack Kennedy says to his brother, he says, Bobby, how come every time you walk in here, there's always a problem that I have to solve that's really hard? And Bobby says to him, well, Jack, because I've solved all the easy ones before I've gotten here. Like if the if it was as simple as changing quarterbacks, we would just change quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Like that's not the reason Kansas City's losing. And when and it's the curly in the boat. You know, you know I talk about it all the time. When you make one when you make one change, you put Mahomes in, you've opened up a whole other can of problems somewhere else. And nobody seems to want to understand it. It's like you're playing checkers. This is chess. You've got to think ahead. If we play Mahomes, here's what's going to happen, okay? If we do this, here's what's going to happen. The Bears have played Mitchell Trubisky. They put Glennon on the bench. It helped their running game a little bit, but they have no passing game. Okay, That's the cause and effect. If you don't measure cause and effect on every decision, you can't make the right decision. So for me, like the simple solutions should be solved early. But Kansas City's solutions aren't simple. So putting Mahomes in there isn't going to send this thing over the edge and we're all of a sudden going to get better. We're going to get worse. Yeah, I, I don't see a rookie quarterback coming to save the day for them. Uh, what, what about you? What's your narrative for the week? Well, I, my narrative for the week would be, I think, I think when you just look at it, I think Jimmy Garoppolo comes in off the bench, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, look, I give C.J. tremendous props, okay? He's a, he's a battler. Like, I don't see the similarities between C.J. Beathard and Kirk Cousins that John Lynch sees who, by the way, was on the sideline again today. Oh, yes. John, you're the general manager. You're not the coach, okay? (laughs) Like, stay up in the box. Anyway, uh, you know, like, I don't see that, but Jimmy goes on the field. Did you see this, Dave Fraser? Absolutely. It was was beautiful. Right at the end of the game when they should have just run the clock out, they decided to let Jimmy throw for it. I know, and and probably Pete Carroll's on a plane ride flying home saying to John Schneider, you know, I'm pretty happy they didn't play that kid. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, like this whole notion that people think, well, we can't play this quarterback because the offensive line isn't any good. Yeah, well, if the quarterback's good, he'll get rid of the ball before he gets hit. If the quarterback's not good, he's going he's gonna to hold the ball because he can't process. So, you know, like I'm thinking here, like I know the 49ers and they have all their analytical things going on. I'm sure they're thinking, well, you know, if we hold on to Jimmy, we sign Kirk Cousins, maybe we'll get more. Like, look, Jimmy's pretty good. Like, just a little bit of Jimmy today was pretty good. So I think that narrative should be the week. Like, just play the guy. Like, how do you not play the guy? Now, C.J. Beathard said after the game he doesn't think his knee's that bad. But, you know, C.J. on one leg isn't isn't going to be as good as Jimmy Garoppolo just playing. So I, I, I think that should be the narrative there. And when he got taken down by Bennett, I mean, it looked pretty bad and pretty severe. So when Garoppolo came in, they were just expected, well, you know, Garoppolo is probably not prepared to come in this game because he didn't think he would. So he's probably just going to take a knee or at least run this thing out. He comes in, he runs for a first down, and then he rolls out and ends up throwing a touchdown. And, and they, Sh- Shanahan and like was celebrating. For, yeah, it was great. Yeah, like he's played there forever. Like, you know. <laughs> You know, so Crowd the other cheering. narrative that I think that we didn't touch on because it's not a very good game was you tweeted about it and I tweeted about it. But the Hugh Jackson love fest going over to A.J. McCarron and then bringing him <laughs> over to Jimmy Haslam, the owner, and having this all on tape. Like, it's like, like a showcase. That's, 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 that's called tampering, okay? <laughs> like, you can't sit there and say, well, how's Catherine Webb doing? Is, you know, how's, how's the baby? You know, like, like now I want you to meet the owner. Come over and meet Jimmy Haslam. He's a really nice man. Like, no, no. Like, how do you get away with this? 
I don't know. I feel like Kaiser should have been upset about that, but because they're basically just going over and trying 20. to woo another quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, and then and then you know, and then Hughes over there acting like he's so happy to see AJ <laughs> McCarron. Like, oh my God, I, I see AJ McCarron. Like, okay, that's great, you know. But like, I, I, I that narrative should should have sent the trade week, in like, in time, right? If they wanted him, so all you had to do was send a trade in all time. Yeah. You would have instead of going over to see him at, before the game, he could have been on your team. Could have been starting. And by for the way, you. they've lost again. So now he's tied <laughs> John McKay for their. He's zero and eleven. And so John McKay, the head coach of the, of the franchise Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, the the uh, expansion Buccaneers went one and twenty five, and that's what Hugh is in in Cleveland one and twenty five. But everything's ha- okay. Don't worry about it. Haslam everything's has, fine. Remember Haslam and him were on the same side. We saw that today. They both I know, love they AJ got a lot McCarran. Of good young players. Everything's fine. They can't come <laughs> close to winning a game, but everything's fine. Don't worry about it. All right, Lombardi, let's do it. Let's uh, do some awards for the week. First up, we have time to go on the lamb. Uh, who's going on the lamb this week? You know, I think my man Vance Joseph needs to go on the lamb. I mm. really do. I'm so unimpressed with the with the Denver Broncos. I, I I think the thing, you know, Al Davis used to say this all the time. The key to any great organization is to anticipate problems, not react to it. And uh, and Elway has to see this. It's not going good on offense. It's going really bad on defense. You fired Wade Phillips. You left him leave the building to bring in this guy. You're not as good as you were on defense. Like I'm really thinking that if I'm John. If I'm John Elway, you just hired the wrong guy. Mm-hmm. Like maybe you think you're going to make him a better coach as it goes on, but the players aren't playing very enthused. And look, we can send John Fox on the land because the Bears today played like they weren't very enthused, and they played a really good Eagle team, and Carson Wentz and everybody was great. And you know the parade is already planned in Philadelphia, <laughs> so we understand that. But the reality of it is, is we know Fox is going to get fired. Like to me, mm-hmm. this is a little bit more of a of a problem. Do you really think Vance has got your team under control, and is he doing better? You know, some teams can rally back, but this is the first time in franchise history they've lost eight straight games. And we heard about fights in practice this week, and obviously the soft comments coming from Elway really affected a bunch of the players, them coming out and responding to it. It just seems like a lot is going on there and a lot of turmoil in the locker room and uh, with the front office and, they, and obviously with yeah, the coaches. And then they staff. go out and lay an egg. I mean, they're down 21 to nothing now. They got a chance to come back in the Raider game. They go blitz zero, and – and Derek Carr backs up like he's going to run out of the end zone, and he throws it down the middle of the field to Cordell Patterson, and he makes a great play. I mean, there was a chance in the game that if you got the ball back, you could have sent the game in overtime, but then again, Denver couldn't make the play. I think what happens is people see, oh, we're going to blitz them here. Like, blitzes don't matter against a quarterback if they know where the blitz is coming and he can throw the ball to where he needs to. It's strategic blitzes that matter, and, you know, I don't see that out of Denver. So I, I'm, I think Elway's in a tough spot. He doesn't have a quarterback, he don't have a coach. And I think he needs to figure that out. And I think he needs to figure out what he should stay with. The other team, I, I, you know, look, my man Chuck Pagano, I think, he, mm-hmm. I think it's hard on them. I think they, they've been so spoiled by having Andrew Luck as their quarterback. And he's covered up all the sins of their team. And he's been able to do so many things. But when you're, when you're the Indianapolis Colts and you've, had, you've been in the lead or tied at 9 of 11 games at the half, You've led five of the last six games in the fourth quarter. Can you imagine? Now, Tate Frazier, they've led five of the last six games in the fourth quarter, and they've won one of them. What does that tell you? Not good coaching late, I would say. Yeah, I mean, look, we know the clapper has blown. He's gone into halftime 18 times to the lead, and he's never come out with it. There's 18 times the clapper's done it. But, like, at some point... Like, you're up in this game, and I don't think, you know, and I don't think Tennessee's a great team by any means. I thought the Colts, if we were doing the GM sit-down, 
Saturday sit down. I would have yes. taken the Colts. I don't know how many points they were getting, but I would have taken the Colts in this game. You know, I thought that I thought it was a, I thought it was a bit a really good bet because I thought the Colts at home against them because Tennessee's a little bit like Jacksonville. They're never going to run away from you. They're never going to go. Oh my gosh, let me. I just want to see what the line is here. Oh yeah, they were getting four and a half, so you'd have won. You would have won. Were getting four and a half. Yeah, four and twenty and a half to sixteen. So, they would have won. Yep. So anyway, I, I think it's time for them to go on the lamb as well. Poor Pagano. I feel like he's been on the lamb quite a few times. Maybe not even all well, with this pod, but just in general over the past few years, past couple of years. Uh, next up, we had the Fred Palermo Award. Uh, that's going to go out to the Buffalo Bills, right, this week? I, I think Buffalo, you know, going to give Sean McDermott credit here. I mean, his mm-hmm. team fell apart. He gave up over 100 points the last two weeks, came back. I think he deserves it. I think Wade Phillips, you know, Wade Phillips deserves the Fred Palermo Award. Great game plan. I think against the Saints did a really good job. Stopped the, other than the one big run play, had to control the run game. I think the Rams staff as a whole did a really good job in that game. I think Buffalo and the Rams, Fred would be proud of them. The menu was short. It was nice and sweet. And they played really well. Wade Phillips, once again, doing it big. Uh, next up, the KGB Award. Uh, we got the Jags, right? They, they got yeah, bluffed they got by our boy oh, Blaine Gabbert. This was so good. I mean, it was <laughs> it was priceless in the desert. I mean, they should show this on they should show this game on NFL Network like every single night. Like, I tweeted out, I can't wait for America to watch the Jags in a playoff game. I mean, it's just Blaine Gabbert versus Blake Bortles. I mean, it doesn't get any better than this. And the turnover that Bortles had late in the game was so bad. On sprint right option, he throws an interception to the honey badger. Straight I mean, to Tyron Matthew. kidding me? Right in his hands. He, I mean, right he, in his hands. He I waited mean, so long to make the pass. It, it was almost like the most telegraphed pass you could possibly make. It was almost a joke. I thought he was pump faking. Yeah, I, my emotions when I'm watching Bortles play, it goes from, okay, he's back to pass, I'm watching him. Oh, shit, he's holding the ball too long. Oh, he's bad. Oh, my God, he got out of it. He's really good. He's athletic. Oh, my God, I can't believe he threw it. So, uh, Bortles, you go from really good, you go from bad, then you get good, and then you go back to bad. And it's all on the same play. Like, you're, you're like having these emotions all in one play. It isn't like he plays really good for like seven seven minutes and then he has a bad play. It's like on the same play. You're like, oh, my God, Blake, what are you doing? Like, what's going on here? Like, how could you do that? I mean, I get Gabbard. I mean, Gabbard, look, Gabbard, if he has time to make some throws, I actually think Gabbard's more talented than Blake. I mean, Gabbard's not the toughest guy in the world. But, you know, here's Blake. He's 19 for 33, takes three sacks, throws an interception, as long as passes 24 yards. And he's the leading rusher on the team. That's yeah, what happened. I was going to. I was going to say, what about his zone reads? I, he had a great touchdown run on his zone read. A nice read. Oh yeah, that, that, cut it back that inside. That was one of those plays where he looked good all the way through. But I mean, like this is what's going to happen in the playoffs to Jacksonville. It's going to be twelve carries for twenty-five yards for Fortnette, and then they're going to play an offensive coordinator who knows how to attack their defense. Okay, and they're going to be on the road, and they're going to be able to handle it. And so you're going to see. You know, because, look, Gabbert threw for 240 against them today. I mean, Gabbert was, you know, and they ran the ball. Peterson had 20 carries for 79 yards. I think Jacksonville, Tennessee, I think both those teams, they're going to be an easy out for somebody when they start the playoffs. And uh, can I ask you about Fournette? I mean, obviously he wasn't down. I mean, Yeldon's the guy that's getting the the call in crunch time for the Jaguars. I mean, you would expect Fournette to be the— What that tells me is, is that Fournette's not great on the protections. Yeah, that's what that's I would what think because it means they're throwing the yeah. football. I mean, they, yeah, well, Fournette's too much on the sidelines when it really matters, and and when you need him out there, like what, like tonight when you saw McC- when you saw Le'Veon Bell get those checkdowns, like he's really hard to tackle in the open field. I mean, that's what you want, but Bell's so good in the protections that 
you know, you you, you can have you him out on there. the field all the yeah. time. Whereas Fournette, I'm just not sure he's really comfortable in the protections and he can understand them. And then with Blake back there, Blake, you know, Blake's going to direct them in the right way, but God only knows what Blake's going to do. It's just so hard to watch. But anyway, I thought that Jacksonville got trapped in this game. I mean, they're a better team than Arizona. They should not given up that many points to Arizona. Now a long field goal. Uh, and I think they really did a poor job at the end of the game. They they really, you know, I mean, what happened was, I don't know if you saw it, Tate Frazier, but yeah. at the end of the game, they're sitting there, and they have the ball. Arizona has the ball with 240 to go in the game, and they, they take it down to 226. So Jacksonville gets the ball with 114 to go in the game. Okay, and they run Yeldon up the middle for two yards. The clock keeps running. Then Blake Bortles throws an incomplete pass. Now, at this point, when second and eight, you've just run it on first down. You're at Jacksonville's 12-yard line, right? If you run it there, the game's over, okay? <laughs> yes. They throw it there, stops the clock. Now, on third and eight, they run it, right? Yep. So now the clock, Arizona uses their timeout at 27 seconds. They punt it. They get two passes, and they win the game. If they run the ball on second down, Arizona's going to call timeout. And then you could run it on third down and run it all the way down. And then, you know, but Go to by overtime giving them the extra yeah. timeout, you basically gave them the game. Well, that goes back to our boy Dougie Marone. Yeah, and, and usually Doug's pretty good at time management. This time he wasn't, and it cost him. I mean, they kind of got – they. this is a game – I mean, look, they won this Charger game. They shouldn't have won. This is a game they probably should have won or at least gone to overtime, and they didn't. So things kind of tend to even out. Poor Bortles. I, th- I thought it was going to all work out. When, when they were driving down the field before he threw that pick to Honey Badger, it felt like it was a nice Bortles two-minute drive for the victory, but not quite. It never feels like a good Bortles <laughs> two-minute drive. Tape it never feels that way. All right, final one. If you don't know, now you know. Uh, what's that for this week? Well, you know, Jimmy G's a really good quarterback. I mean, he came in in just a brief time. He looked like a professional. I mean, that's what professional quarterbacks look like, right? Yes. You know, and, and if you don't know, New came England's in slinging. defense is playing. Yeah, I mean, New England's defense is playing much better. Yeah, Miami's not very good. I love Jarvis Landry's. Like, I love Jarvis Landry. They do everything in Miami to kiss Jarvis Landry's ass, right? <laughs> and then naturally today, he he had a pass that was ruled incomplete on the field that Adam Gase didn't challenge because they probably didn't see it. And of course, Landry took right to his team. So, we, man, what do we? What do we? We got nothing to lose. Why did we challenge it? Like, just blatantly called out his coach. Here's a guy who's been defending him the whole time. They've been trying to trade him this entire time quietly because they feel like he's a pain in the neck, which he is, right? And he averages under 10 yards a catch, which he does, right? Yes. So they've been trying to quietly trade him, but they just don't want to upset their team. They don't want to make them mad. And then, of course, naturally, what's he do? He turns on them. <laughs> hey, we, sometimes you got to do it first, you know? It's such a it's such a millennial tape preacher. It's such a millennial. <laughs> well, did you see our boy Ferris, aka OBJ? He was at the LSU game this weekend against Texas A and M with all the kids. Oh, did they bring his? Did he put the giant helmet on the field? Yeah, they they gave him a whole welcome, and uh, yeah, he he was the star. He was the talk of the town in Baton Rouge. It was good to see. I, I was it. happy for him. They were they were having a good I time. I love it. <laughs> they, Baton Rouge, they LSU run just enough. They're it's perfect. I love it. It's good. It's good. Uh, anything for tomorrow night? We got the Monday night football game. The Texans taking on the Ravens. Anything to watch in that game? Or well, or look. I mean, if you're like the Ravens, dub. you got hope, right? Yeah. I mean, look at it. You're sitting here, Buffalo won. You got hope. All you, you got to find a way. You're playing at home. You're playing against the backup quarterback. You got some hope here now, right? I mean, you I would, would think, think so. you would play well. I don't know with Flacco. Know. Yeah, you never know what you what'll show know up. Flacco. 
I mean, it'll be a boring game. I might have to watch. Uh, I might have to watch California Typewriter tomorrow night. I don't know. I'll see what Billy wants, but I, I think that's kind of what I might do. You may watch uh, Godfather Part Three before that. No, no, I won't. No, I won't do that. <laughs> but right, I would. Good. I would watch California Typewriter. I would. All right, good. We'll figure it out. Uh, we'll 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 put our programming out to the world on Twitter. I'm sure. Uh, this has been another great GM Street with you, Lombardi. I miss you in the studio. Thanks, Dave Fraser. Next week we got to be. Next week we'll be in studio because we got the big game next week. We got the Seattle Seahawks and the Philadelphia Eagles. So the parade's going out to Seattle. It'll be fun. We'll be back uh, Tuesday. We'll see you then. Thanks.